Hey y'all, thank you for joining this bonus episode of the Success Meal Lens Podcast. Now we're taking a break from all of the health, fitness, and wellness topics, and we are talking about tips for a successful pet photography business with Lisa Asp. Now Lisa is part of Animal Image Makers and I am so excited to hear all of these different tips. I promise there are nuggets for everyone. If you are considering being a pet photographer or you are currently growing a pet photography business, this is absolutely the episode you're going to want to tune into. Welcome to today's episode of the Success Mandolins Podcast. We're so excited to be jumping into season five, and we're going to be talking about health, fitness, self-care, mental health, tools you need, the resources you need in order to run a business in your best self. This is not a season where we're talking about getting into shape or getting a beach body. Like, th- throw that out the window. I am talking about taking care of your body, taking care of yourself, taking care of your mental health. When you do these things, you're able to run a better business because you are in the best version of yourself. Now that's something that is constantly evolving, but that is what we're focusing on for season five. And I am so, so excited about it. So grab your headphones, your water bottle, a glass of wine, because yes, I am Still drinking a glass of wine, please and thank you. And let's dive into this season. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining this episode of the Success Beyond Lens podcast. I'm here with Lisa Asp today from Animal Image Makers. Thanks so much for joining us today, Lisa. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your business, the animal image makers business, and then what you do and your specialty and all the things. Yeah, I am a professional photographer. I've been doing this for a very long time. I used to be mostly people photographer. And then one month out of the year, did a animal fundraiser in my studio. Uh, 2011, I moved from the East Coast to Minnesota, where I grew up and decided, you know what, pet photography is the thing that not a lot of other people are doing something that I've got some samples of, uh, dove right into doing fundraising because that was so successful for me in uh, in Connecticut where I was. And it would be a great way for other rescues to help me market and get the word out there. And pet photography just took off. So I've been mostly an exclusive pet photographer now since 2011. Wow. yeah, it's been it's been awesome and I absolutely love it. I always say it's the best job ever. But one thing that I noticed as as a pet photographer um several years ago was that there just really wasn't a lot of education for pet photographers. People, yeah. you know, would have a dog come into their studio every once in a while and have to just kind of figure it out and it was usually kind of an afterthought. Let's photograph the family and include the dog in one or two and they just didn't really know how to work with with pets. And so that's kind of how Animal Image Makers was born. There needed to be somewhere for people who were interested in animal photography to learn. And the industry, that niche of the industry has grown so much in the last, especially five years, but 10 years as well. And so, yeah, it's it's just become a really cool thing to see. It's an amazing community of photographers who are all considered friends. And it's just great. I, I absolutely love it. That's one thing that I've found in like pet photography, equine and equine photography. I mean, okay, yes, equines are pets, but like, but I feel like they're almost like sub niches. And I feel like there's not that, um, forgive the phrase, dog eat dog mentality. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. In, in those niches where like when you get into the other niches, it's like, I'm not helping you. You are on your own. Like, right. figure it out. Yeah. That's exactly what I've experienced as well. Competition is competition. And yeah, you are not there to help them because they are your competition. And that is so different in the animal photography community. It's one of those things that I I didn't even think about before the first Animal Image Makers Conference. Uh, You know, there's so much, I've said this before, there's so much detail that goes into planning a conference, all, you know, the speaker lineup, which is amazing, all the events which we plan, the print competition, like there's just so much that goes into that, that I didn't really stop to think about how people were going to get along. And it blew me away. The community of photographers, you know, you see people online and you kind of get to know them, but sort of, but not really. And, and especially with pet photographers, you go on social media and their profile pictures are a dog or a cat or a horse or whatever their pet is or whatever their last great photo was. And you never can put a name with a face. And so yeah. to build those personal relationships and spend time with somebody in person, oh my gosh, now they're all my friends and it is amazing. That's so cool. That's so cool. So tell me about the conference. How did it start? How long has it been going on? What does it look like? Yeah. So we put it together back in 2018. So uh, 2019 was the first conference. We almost completely sold out. We have a, we do limit the seats to 250 because we want to keep it small and intimate. We want people to have that community and and not walk in uh, and never see somebody you know more than once a time at a conference, which you get with some of those bigger conferences. And yeah. so having that smaller community really builds that feeling where everybody is your friend and you do have personal time with the speakers, uh, which is great as well. So 2019 was the first year we had a great trade show. We had in-person image competition. Uh, so the judges were all there, amazing international speakers. Everything was awesome. And we were well on our way to 2020. We had the whole thing planned. Mm. The conference takes place in the spring. And of course, we all know what happened in spring of 2020. So uh, yeah, 2020, we had to postpone the entire conference weeks before, which was so painful because we all wanted to get back together and, and just having another amazing conference. We did go forward with the image competition, which was super cool. We figured out how to do it virtually. We did a virtual award ceremony. And then, you know, kind of pushed everything back an entire year. We decided fall. We didn't really know what was going to happen fall of 2020. And with people traveling internationally for this, that was still very scary. So yeah, everything got pushed back a year. And as we got a little closer and got a little closer and got a little closer to spring of 2021, well, there was still an awful lot going on. There were still borders that were closed, you know, all of that. And so we ended up doing a virtual conference in 2021, which was super cool. It went so well. We found an amazing platform to really give the attendees that interactive feeling that they would get in person. There were chat rooms where you could turn on your cameras and it was a lot like Zoom, but it wasn't Zoom and very different, but super cool. And oh my gosh, the people just raved about it. So we pushed everything back again from you know 2020 now to 2021. Now we're out to 2022 and we finally got everybody back together last year. And it was so nice. We all needed it. We all needed that that connection again and to be with people again after the isolation. It was just unbelievable. And so here we are now just weeks out from April of 2023 and we are rocking and rolling and ready to go and everyone is so excited to be together once again. I'm so excited. I love <laughs> the idea of like spending time with people who love animals. Like 
Animal photography remains one of my favorite types of photography. And we have a couple of pet photographers that we work with on on the roster. And it's just, I literally get to spend part of my days writing blogs about dogs. Like, I don't understand how this (laughs) is my job. Right. Exactly. Well, and you know, that's the thing that we've heard it probably our entire lives. When you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Right. And, and truly like, I love what I do. I love that I get to be a pet photographer. I love that I get to create and do what I want to do. And, you know, of course with any job, there are going to be those days that are just hard. There are sessions that are harder than others. You know, the marketing part of it, you know, the business part of it, it's hard. The photography is amazing, but that's not what it takes to run a business. So there's stuff about every job that you're not going to like, but when you like it a lot more than you don't like it, then it's a good thing. (laughs) Yes. I like to say in my, in my coaching business, I want to help you run a boundary led business that you love most of the time. (laughs) Right. Well, I think it's, it's unreasonable to think that you're going to love every single aspect of your business and whether it's your business or somebody else's business. If you punch a clock nine to five, like so many people do, there's no job in this world that you're going to love every single aspect of it. So I think that's totally fair. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk about tips for running, managing, starting all the things, a successful pet photography business. Yeah. Well, I I would say the number one thing is that you need to like pets. (laughs) No way. (laughs) I've had people come to my workshops who are like, uh, all right. Well, yeah, I, I think I can do this. And then, you know, I see them a couple of weeks later, a month later and like, yeah, I tried a couple of sessions. And you know what? I don't really like it. I don't really like pets. So like, yeah, if you don't like pets, you're not going to like this job. I, I promise right. you that. Right. So that would be number one is definitely, you know, if you're a pet lover, then then you're you're on your on your way. You need to understand a few things about pets, though. Body language is going to be huge. So studying that, understanding how animals communicate through their behavior and through their body language. Knowing that it's going to give you a huge, you know, jump start in communicating with them, understanding that their comfort level, how they react to flash, for example, in your studio. You know, most dogs, I, I do mostly dogs, a few other animals here and there. Most dogs are totally fine with it and doesn't phase them, but you just never know what, you know, what the dog is going to do. I, a lot of times I'll invite the dogs into my studio for a consultation in advance and we can test that before we're actually going to do the session. Because the last thing I want is for the dog to be scared. And if I know that they don't like the lights, then you know what? I'm going to set up differently. We're not going to use lights at all. But if I see them flinching a little bit or something like that when the lights are going off, I I know that this is not going to be a a comfortable experience for them. And I don't want that because it's going to come through the photography as well. So that's that's a big one. And I think for even for pet photographers who work outdoors on location, a lot of people will use off-camera lighting outside as well. Hmm. And it's kind of the same thing. You've, you've got to just watch for that behavior and, and just make sure that they're going to be comfortable in that situation and have a backup plan if they're not. So, yeah. So that would be a big one is definitely getting to know body language. And I think, you know, the longer somebody does this and works with pets, you can kind of start to predict how an animal might react to a specific noise or something like that. And that makes it really easy too. So the more experience, of course the better. But noisemakers are are great. I mean, we all have to have noisemakers. And I always say that dogs are a lot like toddlers where they get bored really fast. <laughs> so variety is key. Having different noises and, you know, some different volumes, nothing super duper loud, but different whistles that you can do and noises that you can make with your own mouth. And and just like having a, like a, I have an honest to God, I've got a giant bin of different mm-hmm. noisemakers and it's great. And you need that 
But <laughs> it's really funny when I've got people in the studio who maybe have a couple family members in and they're trying to be helpful. And I appreciate that. But they'll grab a toy out of my toy bin and they'll stand next to me and they'll squeak, 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 like nonstop. And I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, make it stop, make it stop. It's awful. And if it's mm-hmm. awful for me, it's awful for the dog. And the dog is not going to respond because all of a sudden that noise is just nothing special. So right. that's a big one is knowing how to use the noisemakers. One little squeak. It's all it takes to get the dog's attention. And if they're over there playing or whatever, one little squeak, they're going to turn and look. But if it's that nonstop squeaking, not going to happen. Right. <laughs> it's absolutely not going to happen. So uh, treats are another thing that can help and can hurt. So depending upon the pet or pets that are in the studio, I always try to hold treats back until I absolutely need them. Mm-hmm. And then I make sure that it's okay with the owner to use the treats. A lot of dogs have allergies or on special diets or that kind of thing. And so if that's the case, I'll have the owner bring you know their treats in. But if you do use treats in the studio, I always recommend soft treats and small little tiny training treats. Even if you've got a big dog, just a little teeny tiny training treat is all they need. I, I say soft treats because uh, when I started doing this, I did not know this little tip. And I would I would have a hard, crunchy bone of some sort for them. And I found myself retouching crumbs out of every single picture. It was awful. Oh, gosh. And yeah, I mean, that was years and years and years ago. And since I discovered soft treats, not once do I have to retouch crumbs. And I say little ones also because they're quick and easy. It's a super fast reward. I've had clients bring in these ginormous milk bones for dogs and it takes the dog five minutes to eat this thing. And they don't need that. They don't need that much. It's just that fast reward. So soft and small, (laughs) that is the key with treats. Along those same lines, water. You know, I, I always like to have a water bowl on hand for the animals as well. I don't typically give them water unless they really need it. If it's a warm day or, you know, they just need a little break. If they're panting a lot and it looks like they need a drink, I'll point out the bowl to the owners and let them do that. Right. But, uh, you know, especially puppies, puppies have little tiny bladders. And that means that they're going to have to go to the bathroom right away as well. Right. So we don't want that. But there are those dogs that have longer fur on their faces. And as soon as they go for that drink of water, now all that hair is going to be wet. And that does not make for a pretty picture either. So So especially those, those owners who just brought their dog in to get groomed, like that just destroys it all. So I, yeah, I try to be really careful with that kind of stuff too. So it's, it's a lot of those just little tiny things that I think people don't always think about when they're, if they're not a pet photographer. So, you know, hopefully some of those things will, will help the preparation for a dog session. A couple of things with the photography itself. I like to use very directional light. I think that makes for a more dramatic photo rather than really flat lighting. It really shows off the texture of the fur. It really shows off that muscle texture or muscle de- definition that so many dogs have. And it just gives it really a more painterly look and, and something that the owners can't necessarily produce for themselves. Yeah. Um, in a studio situation, you know, that's that's a lot easier when you've got multiple lights to work with and you can move them around. But you know, then then we have to think about those dogs who might be afraid of flash and how do we deal with that? Well, using window light, we can get beautiful directional mm-hmm. light with window window light and a reflector and there's no flashing involved. For outdoor photographers, you know, kind of same thing. You can use very directional light outside with off-camera flash. But if a dog is afraid, then you've got to find th- those areas that produce that light, whether you've got, you know, a roof that's overhanging and you've got light that's coming in or, you know, something like that. But just find that directional light, start seeing that light. And it's just going to make your your pet photography so much more dramatic. 
which is very exciting in my opinion. I, I love light and I love playing with light and, and finding that light. So it's yeah. a lot of fun. It, two more quick things as you're working with the pets in their session, expression is going to be key, getting the ears up. Even with dogs with droopy ears, the ears can go up. Right. Um, so that's going to be a lot more attractive in a photo than uh, if the ears are pinned back, for example, if they're scared, their their ears are going to be down and back. And so that just shows some of that body language, getting the eyes looking right into the camera. And of course, you know, we're talking about the technical end of photography, making sure those eyes are in focus. Right. <laughs> so right. many times with dogs, you know, we see the nose in focus and the eyes are out of focus, but really it's the eyes that need to be in focus. Um, preferably the nose as well. But if the nose goes a little bit out, I think that's acceptable for client work. And then posing, huge thing is just, just incorporating a huge variety of poses you know, using different props or furniture, you know, on a chair or on a couch, something like that, doing full length close-ups, doing um, sitting, standing, lying down, can do some cute over-the-shoulder things. Like there's so many different things that you can do with an animal to create variety. And that is going to give the clients a lot to choose from, Mm -hmm. which means your sales are going to be better. Right. (laughs) And you can then be a successful photographer if you are selling your work. So yeah, so those are my super fast, really top tips in getting going with your pet photography. (laughs) Awesome. I think one of the things that if I were looking to go into pet photography, that would make me nervous is those like not great behaved dogs and not like, not, not like aggressive, but like the dog that's going to jump, the dog that doesn't know sit or those types of things. So how do you mitigate those situations so that you can still get really great photos? Yeah. And, you know, I always say that there's a lot of chaos that goes into pet sessions because the dogs are jumping around and running around and they don't always sit. And and clients come in thinking, oh, my God, I have the worst dog in the world. It's just awful. And, you know, I, I say while I'm teaching that there's really only one dog who is the worst dog in the world. And every other dog from there is going to be better. <laughs> right. But yes, there is a lot of chaos. And I, I'm at the point in my career where most of the dogs who come into my studio are off leash because I know how to work with them and I know how to direct the clients. But that's not that wasn't the case when I was starting. Most of the dogs were on leash. And that is a huge factor forward in in contributing to getting them to sit where they need to sit or stand where they need to stand, be where they need to be. But, you know, another thing that I say with my clients all the time is, you know, this is why we do still photography in that video, because you don't see all the chaos with still photography. Right. You know, the dogs might be walking back and forth. If if they don't want to sit still, a lot of times I'll have the owners walk back and forth in front of the backdrop and the dog will follow them along. And then right when they're in the center, I make that one little squeak and they stop where they're at and they look at me and boom, I know that's going to happen. So I'm ready to go. And for that split second, they are stopped. They are standing in the perfect spot. They're looking right at me and we got the shot. So it's just learning some of those things. Leashes are really easy to retouch out if you do it the right way. And so, you know, keeping a dog on leash is absolutely okay. What I would recommend is just rotating the collar backwards so that the clasp is in the back, the tags are in the back because the tags don't look great in photos either. But that way the, you know, the leash is going to be behind their head instead of in front of their, their neck and their, and their chest. So that way you don't have to retouch it out there. And then it just makes it so easy and you can control a dog that way. If you've got an assistant who understands dogs, that's really helpful. I know a lot of photographers will use somebody like a dog walker or a vet mm-hmm. tech or somebody like that who who works with dogs all the time. Um, maybe they're not a photographer, but they understand the body language and they understand how to work with a dog. And that's super helpful as well. 
Are you looking for a conference dedicated to animal photography? Then you are absolutely going to want to attend the Animal Image Makers Conference this April from April 13th through the 16th. Now, here is the incredible thing about this conference. We limit the seats to 250. That means you are getting an intimate experience with some of the top animal photography experts in the world. Head over to the link in our show notes to use the code SUCCESS2023 for $50 off registration. Okay, so what, now I'm just curious, what is the most unique animal that you've ever done a session with? I had a pig in my studio several years ago, a pot belly pig. I don't photograph, you know, pig. Most, most of what I do is dogs. I do some cats. I've had a bird. I've had a pig. The owner wanted a gift certificate that I donated to a rescue and wanted to bring a pig in. I'm like, okay, that's great. Let's do it. Bring the pig along for the consultation. You know, I was totally honest with her that I'd never photographed a pig before. I don't really know much about them. I really wanted her to educate me on behavior and, um, you know, what's going to get the pig's attention and, and everything related to that. And so, you know, it was like a marathon consultation, which she was totally fine with. But, you know, we had the pig in the studio. We tested it with the lights. I gave it treats. I was sitting on the floor petting it, just learning everything about the pig planned the session. It was great. Um, that's when I still had my my um, studio in my home. I had a home studio for seven years, I think, when I moved to Minnesota. Now I'm back in a commercial space, which has been great. But I had a fully fenced in backyard. So we, you know, we had the pig inside, we had the pig outside, just spent a lot of time with it. It really liked being outside and just eating the grass. Right. So anyway, all was good. I'm excited. You know, they're going to come back a week or so later for the session. And so, you know, like, like so many people and the woman, the owner was going to be a part of the session as well. And like so many, um, especially us women, you know, we want to look perfect for our photos. We mm-hmm. have to get up and get ready and get our hair and makeup done, find the perfect outfit and like everything. And she was running late and she was super stressed because she was getting ready and just like dogs and like so many other animals, when the owner is stressed out, the animal is going to feel the stress as well. And I think, I think the pig absolutely felt the stress from this woman. And so it didn't quite go as planned. We, you know, we, we tried to start inside. It wasn't good. We went outside. The pig was more comfortable, but you know, didn't really care about me. Didn't really want to look up, just wanted to eat the grass. Um, She brought treats along and with the pig, it was a lot of fruit and like strawberries and like high sugary fruits. Mm -hmm. And it was treat after treat, after treat, after treat, after treat to get this pig to look up. And I think, I think the pig had a total sugar high. It was, it got a little crazy. Uh, Not going to lie. So uh, we went back inside because we wanted those studio shots. We got great stuff outside, but we went back in and I I'm usually sitting on the floor when I'm photographing animals because I want to be down at their level. Right. So I got down there at this point. Like I said, there was a little sugar high thing going on. The pig was a little got a little cuckoo. And I have never been afraid in a session until this pig to the point that I was not comfortable sitting on the floor because I was afraid it was like charging at me. Yeah. And I, I was, it was 110 pounds. It was a big pig and it, yeah, I was afraid. I was really afraid of it. And so I, you know, I sat on a little stool, but I needed to be able to get out of the way fast. And I wasn't like super close to it. I was probably, you know, 10 to 15 feet away. So there was a little bit of distance, but they can move pretty fast. So yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was a little crazy, but you know, we ended up with beautiful images. We got great shots of the pig alone, the, the pig with the owner. Uh, she ended up with an album, stuff for her wall. So she was thrilled. I have never once posted those photos online because I do not want another pig in my studio. Oh, no. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not going to show those photos as happy as she was and as happy as I was with the, uh, the final images. Yeah, one, one was enough for me. There are other people who can have the pigs. <laughs> But that's fair. It's funny. I, I've worked at like different barns. I worked with, I grew up with all kinds of dogs. We have four dogs. I am a dog person. And the one time I have been scared was a mini pot belly pig cornered me in a barn office and like went after my ankles. I was like, okay, I'm good. Yep. Yep. We can check this yep. one off the list. <laughs> Not my thing. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. So I and they had like a huge. I think that the other pig was at least two hundred pounds, and oh my I think was a big old baby. I loved him. <laughs> okay, awesome. So when you're thinking, or a photographer's thinking, you know they're going from family photography to pet photography. What would you say is the number, like a good tactic on? starting in pet photography, like starting to get the ball rolling and, um, and get it out there that, you know, yay families, but I'm moving to pets. Well, I, you know, I would definitely start including pets in any family photos, any families that come in, ask them if they've got a pet and invite them to bring their pet in included in the family. Cause really pets are a huge part of our families. You know, the, the expressions out there, pets are people too. And I think that it's come a long way over the years where it's gone from just, Oh, just, you know, the dog who lives out in the backyard to, you know, now they're sleeping in our beds. So <laughs> perception has changed so much and people absolutely love their pets. So include them whenever possible. And then while the pet is there, do some shots of just the pet alone. It might be the last thing you do in the session and maybe you take an extra 10 or 15 minutes at the end of the session, but just let them know that, you know, you would love to add some pet photography to your portfolio and would it be okay just to do a few shots of, of the dog alone or the dogs together alone? They will probably have no problem with that. They know it's a bonus. Everything else that you need from that family session is already done as long as they've got the time to spend an extra 10 minutes or so. And then I would reach out to any family, friends, coworkers, anybody that you know that has a pet, just offer a free session just to get the experience to build your portfolio. You know, do what you need to do to get some shots and get some experience and make sure that you're going to like it again. <laughs> That's going to be key. And then I, you know, I'm a huge advocate for helping out with rescues, also volunteering with animal rescues. Uh, pets who are professionally photographed are typically adopted between three and five times faster. So anytime that you can supply professional level photographs to a rescue, it's going to be super helpful for them. And it can be very helpful for you as well. Again, it's going to give you experience. It's going to give you images for your portfolio. What I typically do with my rescues is I will offer them, I just put them in Dropbox, the images from the session, fully retouched, ready to go. So all they have to do is put them on their website. But I I put my watermark on there as well, my logo, because it's marketing for me. Uh, I do it for free for them. I don't charge anything. I don't expect anything in return. But I'm building that relationship with the rescue, which then leads to other options like fundraising, which is a huge part of my business. I do fundraisers every single year as a way to give back, but as a way to reach new clients as well. And and when you have those relationships with the rescues, amazing things can happen, really. So, you know, that's a really great way to get that experience and get get the word out there that you're doing pet photography. 
That's awesome. I love the idea of working with like rescues. Now, rescues and shelters are shelters like I feel like they'd be harder to get into or is that not really the case? I think it just depends upon um, one one to another. I, a lot of rescues, I, I'll say, you know, with air quotes, <laughs> are foster based. They're right. vo- they're typically all volunteer based. Um, they don't necessarily have a physical location. Maybe they have an office, but not anywhere that is housing animals. I, I, I always think of a shelter as more of a physical location that has yeah. kennels, and they, they've got you know the animals right there on location, and that's where they live. Those are usually employees who work there who take care. Of them, though they do have a lot of volunteers who come in and help out as well, who walk dogs and do that kind of thing. I think that the thing to do is really to just approach them and let them know that you would like to volunteer for them, um, whether it's a rescue or a shelter, and let them know that you're a professional photographer and this is how you want to give back. And don't expect that they're going to be able to help out as an assistant or you know take a lot of time out of their schedules because they don't have the time. Like rescues, there's so many animals in rescue and that's what they're there to do is work with the animals and getting them placed in homes. Uh, so it's got to be something that that you do. The fosters that I work with, you know, the fosters take the time out of their schedules to bring the dog into the studio. But that's another really big point too, is when I first started doing this, one of the rescues wanted me to come out to adoption events and, you know, do photos at the park or, you know, photos at the, at the pet store, wherever their adoption event was. And it wasn't the look of my photography. I do mostly studio photography. And so I, you know, did that once and I'm like, yeah, this doesn't really work for me. A, it's a lot of work to bring all your gear out there. And and then the candid shots, it, you're like, that's fine to volunteer and do that kind of stuff, but it's not not how I want my business perceived. And so I started having them bring animals into the studio and that way the imagery imagery that's out there is the look and the feel of my studio photography. And that's how I can, you know, make this work for me because I feel like it's a marketing and it represents my business well. That's a really good point. I I love the idea of of volunteering and helping them, but also it, at the end of the day, you're still running a business. You're still needing to make money in the long run. So making it option like not optional, making it's it it's a win-win. It's a right. win-win. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So before we kind of wrap up here, are there any, like, if someone were to go out and like, I want to become a pet photographer today, I know I like pets. What is the one actionable tip that they can like implement today? That's a great question. I would say the number one thing is that you need to have a portfolio. I think you are not going to get hired as a pet photographer unless you can show that you have done it before and that you've done it well and they can trust that you're going to care for their animal and get photos like your portfolio. I, I've seen you know photographers go to workshops and photograph in a setup that somebody else set up, somebody else's lighting, somebody else's look, somebody else's backdrops, and use those as their portfolio images but they cannot reproduce that look because it's not what they do. It's They don't understand the lighting and, and how the ratios that were set up in that workshop worked. So make sure that the images that you have on your website are things that you've actually done and that you can actually reproduce yourself because that's what the clients are going to expect. And when they get that and you can make them happy, then that's great. I think if you get any blowback because they're expecting one thing and you give them something different, that's only going to reflect negatively on you and your business. So that would be the number one thing I would say is build that portfolio, get your work out there and start building that with your clients. That's so good. That's, I think it's managing client expectations is so big in business and something I've talked about several times on the podcast. So I love that tip. 
Yeah. I'll say one other thing too is put yourself out there for critiques. I think, you know, we talked about community earlier and and just how awesome the pet photography community is. There are a few different places online that I love where you can put your work out there and, and have your peers give you feedback and give you critiques. And I think that's really important. There are so many amazing photographers out there that we can learn from one another and we can help one another through this. And that's one of the things that I love so much about this community. There's a Facebook group that I'm a part of called No Bones About It. And this has been going on for several years where we do monthly critiques. Um, There's a panel of four, myself and three other women who will take a look at you can send in photos. We ask for a raw image and then your edited image. And we look at where you started and where you ended and just for free, give critiques once a month. Uh And the amount of work, the level of work that we've seen over the years has just soared. You know, it's such a great educational tool and so great to, again, just have that feedback from people who've been doing this for a really long time and are only here to help. Like that's the sole reason is to help people become better pet photographers. And I think that's huge. So yeah, that would be another one. That's awesome. I think, yeah, I think being open to criticism and allowing yourself to learn that way is really important, no matter what your business is. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Any any kind of business, you've got to just be open to that and, and willing to learn and grow. Nobody knows everything and trends change and technology changes and there's always new things. And that's one of the things I love so much about photography is you know, you kind of ebb and flow, I think a lot. You, you know, you're doing really well and you think you're on top of the world and you know everything and then all of a sudden boom, like you get this new information and you just feel like, oh my God, I don't know anything. And then you go back up that hill again, learning, 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 and pushing yourself until you feel like, oh, I'm on top of the world again. And then boom, there's this new thing and you have to learn all over again. But that makes it really exciting as well. So yeah. And like you said, though, any job is going to have that. Any any industry is going to have have those ebbs and flows and and always new things to learn. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to loving what you do. I think like, you're going to have the ebb and flow. So if you love what you do, it'll all come out in the wash. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. So, all right. So I always wrap up with the same three questions. The first one is, what is your favorite quote? Ooh. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I have a favorite quote. <laughs> I'm a quote oh. fanatic. I I legitimately have over a thousand quotes penned on a quotes Pinterest board. <laughs> It's bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love quotes, but I don't know that there's one that's like at the top of my head that I can come up with right now, which is probably really ridiculous. But yeah, I, I think I'm just going to have to say, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So then what is your favorite business tool? So I love the fact that digital photography has given us so many tools to work with mm-hmm. that we can really create our own art. I love wildlife photography as well. And when I talk about wildlife specifically, you know, I would say it's kind of funny because so many times wildlife photographers are lined up shoulder to shoulder to shoulder. Like you see these big group of people photographing an animal, whether it's a bird or whatever. And most of the time, I would guess that everybody's going to end up with about the same photo. Digital photography has allowed us to do so much, taking it from something that everybody has to completely personal. So I love Photoshop. I love Photoshop. I love that I can go in and I can create paintings. I can change backgrounds. I can, you know, you know, make the lighting look a little different. Um, really create something that didn't actually exist. And I don't do this a lot with my client work, but with my artwork, I, I think of myself as an artist and not a journalist. And, you know, journalism, you really can't do anything with your photos. Right. 
but that's so boring. And and why? <laughs> like with art, with painter, paint like painters specifically, like they've created absolutely nothing on a blank canvas. And that's what I kind of think of as well is that even though I've got something, I can take it anywhere I want to go. And so right. having Photoshop is that's probably my favorite tool. And then there's of course lots of plugins that that I like as well, but they wouldn't exist without Photoshop. So I'll go with Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's the first time anybody has said Photoshop. Oh wow. It's so, interesting. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. Three years on the podcast. I don't think I've heard it before. <laughs> Mic drop. No. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, all right. And then the final question is if I were to come to Minnesota and we were to go grab drinks, where would we go and what would we have? We would stay at my house. I would make you a homemade pizza and we would just have some drinks and like kick back in our sweatpants and just laugh all night long. So, oh um, my gosh, that is <laughs> perfect. That would be like my husband's night out. Like, or well, night yeah. like that is, that is him all day long. I love that. I am not a huge, like go out for drinks person. Like I'll do that socially. Yeah, That's totally either. cool. But I would much rather just stay in, like watch a movie, you know, in my sweatpants. It's just yes. be casual and um, just shut my brain off for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally my fr- every Friday night. Like since COVID, that's that what's been our tradition is we make homemade pizza and we're still doing it because they're better than any pizza that I can get anywhere else. I swear. <laughs> it's true. It is true. Yeah. yeah. I love my husband's homemade pizza. He's the cook in the family. Not me. So nice. His nice. pizza is great. So now that we've made it to the end here. Tell us where our audience can hang out with you, where we can find you, all the things. Yeah, I will give you two different websites. One of them is my studio website, which is tangerinehouseofdesign.com. That's my business. So lots of information, lots of cute dogs on there. So you guys can go check that out. And secondly is animalimagemakers.com. The conference is coming up in April. We have a few seats left. It is the most amazing place to be as a pet photographer, just to be around the community. We have international speakers who are flying in just for this. Just amazing people. People who are real photographers who do real work every single day, who are here to teach. And the the stuff that they know, the knowledge that they have to share... Oh my gosh. Like I just, I can't wait. And I love it so much. Um, we do have a coupon code for your listeners, by the way, for mm-hmm. registration. So I will give that out. And if anybody's interested, they can get all the information online, but registration, use the coupon code SUCCESS2023 and that'll save you 50 bucks on registration. Awesome. And what other dates for the conference? They're April 13th through the 16th. We do have one pre-conference class that's starting a day earlier. It's a two-day class. So that's going to be the 12th and 13th. But our opening party is the evening of the 13th, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys have a phenomenal conference. I'm sure it's going to be great. I can't wait to see all about it. And we will catch you guys next week. Thanks so much for hanging out with me, Lisa. Yeah. Thanks. This was so fun. Well, that wraps us up for this week. Thank you so much for joining on this episode of the Success Beyond Lens podcast. If you are loving our content, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to our channel or left us a review. You can always hang out with me on the gram at Success Beyond the Lens. Hope to see you guys next week.